0: it's 3 a.m as a fastest flipping hour i've ever done on sports radio got three more yeah two in 50 minutes and some change four for four coming back from break jimmy you're the fourth what's up with the new dynasty
1: Well, um, I was just kind of thinking that, uh, you know, I'm one of these people who is more reflections-based than most people, I guess. You know, I kind of look forward and look ahead, you know. Okay. And uh, when you're talking about the Super Bowl, it kind of gives you an opportunity to kind of look ahead as far as the NFL is concerned. And, uh, you know, the old guard is just about to leave. I mean, who knows how much longer Tom Brady's got. He says he can go up until 45, but let's face it, he's 43, and all it's going to take is one pile drive and into the ground by a 300-pound lineman, and Brady might be done. And uh, Roethlisberger, we don't know if he's going to come back. I mean, then you got guys like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and, and all of those great guys, and uh, throw Philip Rivers in, too. I mean, all those guys are going to be gone pretty soon. And uh, you look ahead to what the NFL is going to be probably for the, about the next 10 years, And uh, to me, the NFC is pretty much just a grab bag. I mean, just about anything could happen over there. But Mm -hmm. as far as the AFC is concerned, I firmly believe that for about the next 10 years, you're going to be hearing talk about the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, Houston, Deshaun Watson. That's going to be the topic. I mean, most of your AFC championships are going to probably be divvied up between those three teams between now and, let's say, 2030.
0: And how horny does that make you, Jimmy?
1: well, I mean it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see them all go after each other, you know when they get in their prime and stuff like that it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun to watch these uh watch these guys go at it, you know
0: I appreciate the phone call Jimmy, take care. have a fun morning. Thanks for joining us on here on the fifty consecutive hours post reaction show thing that we're doing here on six ten sports radio. Jimmy, I love the call and again. I'm not trying to sound arrogant. Not tooting our own horn here, but... But we're tooting our own horn. About three weeks ago... No, that's not true. About six weeks ago, Nick Price and I said on Saturday morning at about 12.15 that the future of the NFL was about to change because last year your MVP was Patrick Mahomes. This year your MVP is probably Lamar Jackson, And Deshaun Watson's got one, maybe two, tucked in his sleeve somewhere out there in Houston. He's just got to get rid of, my chin looks like an ass, Bill O'Brien. And that's the future of the NFL. The other side topic of that that I've tried to let people know, because it's coming, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to start to hate the Chiefs here in about three to four years if they keep doing this. Because they've won four consecutive AFC West titles. They've now won an AFC championship. Their quarterback is the best quarterback in the NFL, and it's not close. And these types of things, like we just talked about in that last segment of being Andy Reid, and once he knocks one domino over, he can knock 15 in a row. If that is the case, if Andy Reid can go to Miami this year, look sexy as hell in a sunburn in a Hawaiian shirt, I wish he could wear that during the game. I don't think he can. He probably could if he wanted to. But if that's the case, if he could win one, you'd think Andy with this quarterback, this defense that could stick together for a few more years, they could knock off a few. It could be a little bit of a lot for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you could make something very big, something very small, because Kansas City, top 35 sports market, but it could have the best football team for the next 10 years because number 15's not going anywhere, and if Andy Reid can get addicted to winning Super Bowl trophies, he's not going anywhere. Because he deserves it, and it's been a long time. We all remember 2014, 2015, right? I remember where I was. I remember in 2014, I was finishing up my college degree. The Royals were making moves. They were turning heads. And all of a sudden, this little bitty franchise baseball team in Kansas City was starting to play games late nights on ESPN. Games were starting to be played at different times on different channels, and it felt different. They played against the Houston Astros. They were down 6-2. to two. Lance McCullers starts doing the throat slash on his neck. Mike Moustakas gives the speech. I'm not ready to go home yet. And the Chiefs are similar. The Royals would lose to the San Francisco Giants in 2014. All you could hear is Joe Buck talk about Madison Bumgarner. And people didn't dislike Joe Buck because they thought he was a bad announcer. You might said that, but you didn't like Joe Buck because he kept talking about the most popular storyline in the current championship game. And it wasn't the Royals. No, it was the left-handed workhorse Madison Bumgarner, who could get anybody out he wanted, and he seemed to he could throw 190 pitches and come back the next day and do it all over again, and it pissed you off, but it gave Joe Buck a lot of content. You think of the Royals in 2014, moving on to 2015, the core of guys. To steal a line from the Royals insider, one of my truly good friends, Josh Furnier, Lorenzo Cain became the straw that stirred the drink that kept the Royals successful. Alex Gordon would hit a home run that would be iconic for the rest of your life. The finger points up. Hosmer, who had just flied out or grounded out before him, you see all of the pressure coming out on that home run. The dash home in 2015 from Hosmer against the Mets. All those types of things just felt like they belonged with the with the Royals. And like we tried to tell you back in December, That this year was a lot like those 2014-15 years. They made some moves. They acquired guys to get over that hump. Now you're playing San Fran again. For all of the marbles. And Joe Buck's going to call it again. How perfect. And you thought, my God. Does all he do is talk about Madison Baumgartner? Because I'm here to tell you, he's going to do it again. You think, does he have ties to this team? Like the Chiefs? He's going to talk about them because they're just that much more exciting than San Francisco. That's not a demographic thing that I'm saying. It's true. Look at the numbers tonight. The San Francisco 49ers put up numbers that Navy puts up. The Chiefs put up numbers tonight that great NFL teams put up. And now in this Super Bowl, your Joe Buck narrative might change. Hear me out. Mahomes is the star. Mahomes is the quarterback that in his first four years has tied Kurt Warner in the NFL's history books as the youngest quarterback to throw as many touchdowns as he has. 11. That's more than Dan Marino. That's more than Brett Favre. That's more than Peyton Manning. And oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes has yet to throw an interception in the playoffs. Joe Buck's going to talk a lot about Patrick Mahomes, your guy. The Chiefs, as of now, are the favorites going into this game. Minus one, I think, is the current line. Mahomes is the star. Joe Buck will speak a lot about Mahomes and his young legacy. He's going to describe that run that you saw that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. He's going to talk about the arm. He's going to be generic, but it's going to sound awesome to you. And maybe now when you hear Joe Buck talk about your team, you'll have a different thought process in your head. You'll be like, he does know what he's talking about. Yeah. This guy, let me tell you what, this Joe Buck guy, exactly what he's saying. Chiefs, they don't care if they're behind. They'll spot you points. I like this Joe Buck guy. See, Joe Buck, he's just a pro.
2: Like, he's a pro, and he's always going to go with the biggest storyline. And the reason why he talked about Bumgarner so much is because the the guy was having one of the best postseasons in the history of baseball. And now you've got a guy who is performing at a higher level than any other quarterback really has through the first four postseason games. He's going to be talking a lot about number 15.
0: Right now, ESPN's laying out their headline. What's the start? KC's first Super Bowl in 50 years. What's the highlighted point? Marvelous Mahomes rallies Chiefs. Joe Buck's going to talk about your guy, Kansas City. Not about Jimmy G. I mean, Jimmy G's profile ain't that impressive. He's really good looking. He blew his ACL out last year against the Chiefs. He's the predecessor. No, he's the successor to Tom Brady. That's it. He also dropped one hell of a line on Aaron Andrews, too, that I can get into all day every. I could do two hours on that. And if I can't get you to find some sort of liking in Joe Buck, then all you have now is the internet. And during this break that's coming up in 30 seconds, go find it and search Joe Buck Dan Levitard's show because he talks about the time that he ate pot brownies and words started floating off of his screen as he tried to text and look for help to get home. It's a funny damn content of a story on Dan Levitard's show a few weeks back. We'll try to keep this streak of five straight callers joining us from a break at 3 o'clock in the morning. You remembered it from the game against the Tennessee Titans. Did Patrick Mahomes have a moment that you'll see forever and probably in his video reel when he goes to Canton one day? Back in 610 Sports Radio as we continue its 50 consecutive hours of content. That's Chiefs content because you deserve it. Chiefs beat the Titans. They're on their way to the Super Bowl in Miami. We are now, what, five for five? Coming back from breaks with somebody who wants to call in. Mark from Dallas. Please keep it clean.
3: Hey, old fellas! Um, I just wanted to reinforce what the commercial break said, and you know, Chiefs Nation, celebrate wildly, but don't drive anywhere. If you're any place, just you know, use your head and yeah. get a cab. Uber, Uber is the greatest thing in the world. Um, but, but real quick, uh, one thing: there's parallels to. The 50-year anniversary of the uh, team that's about to appear in front of the Super Bowl and the one that won the championship back in Super Bowl Four. A certain Jay Buck called that game, and that was Joe Buck's dad. And um, the last thing I'm gonna say and I'll, I'll hang up and listen off there. I thank you guys very much for what you do. We need all the local coverage, wall to wall 24/7 and even a few extra if we can get it in. But the last thing I'm gonna say is this one to go.
0: Thanks for the call Mark. That was fun. That was a good one. That's call. That's call. Hey man, we appreciate you listening. Because I can do this for 12 straight hours. Don't try to test me. You can ask Nick Price. I come in here every single time, just ready to go. You could have thought that somebody died in my family. I won't show it on this air because that's not what you deserve. This is what you deserve. Your Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Our boss, Steven Spector, and his crazy brain of his, thought it'd be a good idea to go 50 consecutive straight hours of on-the-air sports talk because it's been 50 years since the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl and it just so happened to line up that they're going to the Super Bowl. Now, I can promise you that if they lost, I'd still be here. I'd still take your calls.
2: Would have been a very different show.
0: I would have still brought the energy. It just might have been a little more negative. But I'm not going to do that tonight because you don't deserve that. Don't have to. Thanks for those of you listening. To people out there that are working the graveyard shifts, to the police officers, EMTs, fire departments dealing with, I could only imagine crazy stories right now. For you driving around, doing your due diligence, we thank you. And we hope that you enjoy this. Text line, the Smitty's Garage, burgers and beer, text line. Man, I nailed that for the first time. Yeah, you did. 69306, what are you doing at 320 in the morning? We're here till 6 a.m. till the guys from Fesco take over, live on 610 Sports Radio, and then we'll be back. I say we, myself, Nick Price, whether he likes it or not, he's coming with me. 2 a.m. to six a.m. Tuesday morning. And then I'm gonna crawl into a hole for about 48 hours mm-hmm. and just sleep. Yeah. And eat a lot of Taco Bell when I wake up. Oh yeah. Nick Price and I are used to doing shows early in the morning. If you've been with us since up and out on 1660, Throw 6 a.m. That. to 7 a.m., we used to do that. If you were with us with a show that has no name with Game of Thrones, we did that. Now we're doing Super Bowl talk shows because Kansas City, your team, is going to Miami because that's where they're playing the Super Bowl this year. It's the Chiefs versus the Niners, and there's a lot of storylines between the two of those teams but we've got a lot of time to go. We'll get there. When I asked if Pat Mahomes had a moment that when you think about Patrick Mahomes, because it's been too good of a start not to think that somewhere he'll be at a shrine in Canton. He's already got some material there. The Rams, I think when he played the Rams, that jersey's there. His MVP presentation case is there. You know somewhere from this season, something's there. But on Sunday against the Titans in the AFC Championship game, he had another one of those moments. Yeah. The blue lady
3: hot. Second and ten as that Tennessee defense drops back. As long, they try to make a diving. Tipped out by Holmes who tiptoes inside the ten. Still not out. Oh, what a run! world touchdown kansas city
0: jim nance says out of this world yeah it was i watched that run and the first thing that goes into my head is he's not going out of bounds and that can sound like a hindsight is 2020 and oh sure dusty i'm sure that's what you were thinking go back and watch it you can see what i mean. Nick Price nailed it when we talked about it in the bullpen earlier. He looks off a guy with the head fake. He tippy toes down the sidelines. He then lowers his shoulder, takes on two guys, and eventually he's just not denied. And then again, he hits you with that double arm flex that he was giving everybody when his Red Raiders were in the Final Four last year. That's who he was. And if you remember, you have to go back inside your creating or you're inside your brain. Cranium is the word I was looking for. I just couldn't nail it. But if you can go back into the preseason, when Mahomes took off on a run, and then they cut to Andy, and it looked like, hey, man, what the hell are you doing? This is preseason. And Mahomes in the postgame said, oh, if that's the regular season, I probably would have tried to score. He tried to tell you. It wasn't the regular season. It was just the extended part. It just so happened to be the AFC championship game. Mahomes was never going out of bounds. Mahomes was always going to try to score. And when I talk about plays like this that you see in Canton, second and 10, the second quarter run is what we'll call it, the run. Kind of like in the same category as Hosmer's mad dash home. Mm -hmm. He'll never forget that. That will always be a play. Now, granted, Hosmer's not going to be a Hall of Famer. He's not as iconic, nor will he be, as Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and in the sports world. But that is something when you think of the 2015 Royals, you think of that slide. He puts a move on a defender, he spends and scores, and at that point, the game is over. The Chiefs took the lead on that run, they never lost it.
2: I was out there at the game too, Dusty, and. There were a lot of nervous Chiefs fans just because of everything that they've been through in the past and all the times that they they thought they had a good team, they thought they had a good matchup, and then they just came out flat. And they've been coming out flat in this postseason. Don't get me wrong. Like the last three games, they've been falling behind. But that was the moment where they knew, we got 15. We're good. And that's like the roof. If there was a roof on Arrowhead, they would have blown the roof off of the place on that play because Patrick Mahomes making that play. That's what gave the crowd, and I feel like the rest of the team, the confidence, like, we got this. We got this. No big deal.
0: You're right. Because when you see your quarterback, who is known as having the glorified arm, makes plays, sidearm, left-handed, not looking, a guy that you didn't think was there, because he had one of those two today. If you remember on first down, he kind of rolled around the right. It was a busted play. He had a lot of pressure in his face, and he just whips it to Tyreek Hill for 22 yards. Low throw, only where Hill can get it. First down on first and 10, and it's plays like that that when guys like Mahomes make those, the rest of the league and people watching that are Chiefs fans now might take that for granted, but there's only three quarterbacks that can probably make that throw in the league and I'll name them. It's Mahomes, it's Russell Wilson, and it's probably Aaron Rodgers if that's he wants to. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Breeze doesn't make that play. Nope. Lamar Jackson doesn't make that play because mm-hmm. I get it. Lamar Jackson's a stud, but he's probably taking off running because he could just get the first down a lot easier game. that way. That's his game. But Mahomes just knows how to do things like that. And you think about the kid with the golden arm. And he makes a play like that, that Nick Price, who was there, says erupts the stadium. That's when people who the whole game were like, you know what, after last week, I'm not going to say that we're out of it. I don't care that we're down 17-7. to And then all of a sudden after that play, the Chiefs are up 21-17. to And I know that you remember the rest because the Chiefs never fell behind. He was hurt all year. He had a dislocated kneecap, a bum ankle. Doesn't have it anymore afc championship game and he breaks this type of play out that's the stamp of approval that's the play where everybody watches it goes oh my god that's my inside source nick price who was there he'll tell you you were there you remember the run and when patrick mahomes is 46 years old because he's going to retire at 41 it takes five years to get into the hall of fame he'll be a first ballot When he's 46 years old and he's waiting to put on that gold jacket and they put that montage of plays, he'll have a bunch more. That'll be one of them that everyone in the crowd in Canton is looking up at the screen, and they'll sit there at 70, 60, 55, 41, 39 years old, and you'll be like, I remember that. Mm -hmm. The Chiefs were behind, Patrick Mahomes took off, and then he flexed. They'll remember this play, and not only will he remember it, but you, you will remember how special it was because at that time, that's how special it will last in his career as long as your fandom, because when he goes to the Hall of Fame, if he continues this legacy type of career, those are the type of plays they're going to put together because they're just that damn special. The Honey Badger was a part of Brett Veach's great offseason, and I mean damn near a legendary offseason by Brett Veach. I'll tell you what. It's been seven years coming, baby. I learned one thing since I've been here. You got to fight for your right to party! That's
2: right. Honestly, the most hype thing that I've ever experienced.
0: Were you still there when that was going on? Yeah, stayed
2: yeah. like throughout the whole trophy presentation and everything. I mean, that's something never happened before. Had to see it with my own eyes. No. That was sweet.
0: Yeah. I remember being at the 2014 pennant-clinching game against Baltimore with my dad. Mm -hmm. That was definitely one of those things where, like, I don't mean to sound like sports cliche, but, like, that was one of those things where, like, I kept, like, looking around, like, okay, this is really happening.
2: That's what I was doing. I kept, like looking up at the scoreboard, and they're like, we brought it home, and they had the Lamar Hunt trophy, and then just like, you know, watching Jim Nance walk out onto the field, watch him roll out this stage and everything, it was just like, trying to soak it all in, and then the perfect exclamation point from Travis Kelsey there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't believe he went Beastie Boys.
2: It's awesome. I mean, that's one of those songs, too, at Arrowhead that always gets the people going. They play it right before the kickoffs and everything, so it was just like... It was just perfect. And then right after that, they played the song. Everybody went nuts. It was great. Mm.
0: Yeah, he knew what he was doing. I also like when people are getting interviewed and it's one of those personalities where you don't know where the hell it's going and they just grab the mic, but the guy that's doing the reporting refuses to let that microphone go. Nance didn't let it go. No. But Kelsey, he just had it gripped. And, like, you just see Tyron Matthew in the background And you can just see pure excitement on his face because he's like... What's he about to do? Because Kelsey's that guy. Like, I'm not Travis Kelsey, but, like, my old boss was like, you put a microphone in front of Dusty, I'm not sure where it goes. Hell, it's still that way. And Kelsey dropped a you-gotta-fight-for-your-right-to-party, and then he hit a fist pump and a woo, and that was it. And it was perfect. It was great. Someone who else who probably hit a fist pump about week 12, week 13, was Brett Veach. And we've just been uh, contacted by our buddy at Arrowhead Pride, Craig Stout, who will join us around 4.15 because he's been waiting his whole life as well. And defense is something that he specializes in, and defense is a topic that we can create for that young man, Craig Stout. But when you think of this Chiefs team and you think of what this offseason was, there was a lot of, man, I'm just going to get right to it. There was a lot of weird stuff going on in this offseason. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't need to talk about the Tyreek Hill thing because that has been long gone and over with. What I'm talking about is we all remember that the season last year ended with a sour taste in our mouth of losing to New England with your quarterback, not even touching the football in overtime. Because of the way overtime rules are, you score a touchdown, game over, baby. It ain't hard to figure out. Defense couldn't get the team off the field on third and down. Third and 10, third and 10, third and 10. First down, first down, first down. D Ford, offsides. Doesn't matter. Patriots, again, would go to the Super Bowl. We talk about the similarities in the two sports during their runs. Chiefs, Royals, 14 and 15, 18, 19, 19, 20. Both GMs, and I don't care if you agree with me or not, both GMs of both of these franchises that share the same parking lot in Kansas City have changed the future of their respected franchises. Let's walk through this hand in hand. Some of my friends that do on-air radio will tell you that it's all Andy Reid. That's what it's always been. Brett Veach is just there as Andy's puppet. I don't believe that. I do believe that Andy Reid has a very firm grip on the way that this franchise is ran, but I also know that Andy Reid is older and he's learned, like Ned Yost did learn, to just kind of sit back and not micromanage everybody's job. Delegate. Exactly. He's learned
2: to delegate.
0: Exactly. Because Ned Yost told you that after the Royals won the World Series. By the way, FanFest is coming up next weekend. Crazy. And Ned Yost would tell you, yeah, I just kind of sat back and let Dave do his job and let these guys do their job. I just kind of did my job when I needed to do it and let others do theirs. Delegate, like Nick Price says. Both came about with a shaky trust of the fandom. Mm-hmm. People were like, what is Dayton Moore doing? He got rid of Zach Grinke. That guy's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Probably going to the Hall of Fame. We got James Shields and Wade Davis out of it. He traded Will Myers for who? That's who he traded Will Myers for. His first move is he goes and gets a guy named Joey Gathright. Gets rid of a left-handed bullpen guy in J.P. Howell. And the only thing he knew about Joey Gathright was that he could jump over cars. And he was really fast. But Dayton Moore said, this team's going to run, this team's going to play defense, and this team's going to hit. All three big parts of their recipe that made their championship cake. And you look a little bit at Brett Veach. He stepped out. He went and gave Frank Clark a lot of money that at the time, people were like, I don't know, this seems like it's one of those things where Brett Veach didn't hit on it. Tyron Matthew who looks like a fantastic get now, at the time, wasn't the big, big splash in the free agency pool that was safeties. You had guys like Earl Thomas, Landon Collins, Tyron Matthew. I was here the night that Tyron Matthew got signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. I was ecstatic. I remember Tyron Matthew from his LSU days when he went to Arizona, when he went to the Houston Texans, and then you get this guy coming to your team who has a nickname of the Honey Badger. And boy, did that signing work. Boy, did Frank Clark's contract signing, does it look like it works now. You find out that he had lost 18 to 20 pounds, that he had a stomach problem, that he had a pinched nerve, that he wasn't himself. He said in postgame tonight, the doctors told him that he wasn't supposed to play probably the whole season. He said to hell with it. I'm getting paid to play on a team. I'm going to play on the team, damn it. And Frank Clark played. Now, Dayton Moore got his trophy. And everybody now sits back and says, trust in GMD him. The acronym fits him now. You don't call him Dayton Moore. You do if you're being professional. You don't call him Dayton because you don't know him personally. You don't call him Mr. Moore because that's just weird. Everybody calls him GMDM. It's quicker to text. It's quicker to tweet. Everybody knows what you're meaning when you say those four letters, when you complete that acronym. And now Brett Veach might be on his way to getting GMBV. Because there's a lot of people out there that were always like, was it Brett Veach or was it Pioli that went and found Patrick Mahomes? Lee Steinberg, the owner, or not the owner, but the, Agent of Patrick Mahomes will tell you it was always Brett Veach. Jay Binkley has had Lee Steinberg on several times. He's asked him the question numerous times. Every time, it was Veach that really got into Patrick Mahomes and really brought light to Patrick Mahomes to this team. It was Brett Veach that went out and felt comfortable enough to go get a guy like Tyron Matthew. It was a guy named Brett Veach that went and gave the bag And a couple draft picks for Frank Clark. It's guys like Brett Veach that you need on your team to just kind of trust a little bit more. Again, I get it. Andy Reid gets a ton of credit, as he should. But you get the feeling now that Andy Reid is at the point in his career, kind of like Ned was, where he's just going to sit back and let the guys that he trusts, that he's employed with, to go do their job. Like a Steve Spagnola. Hey, Bob Sutton's out. Who's your guy? I like the Spagnola guy. That guy who's been fired as a head coach, that has a terrible head coaching record. Yeah, but he beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. He's given this defense an identity, and it all goes back to Veach. Veach's season, last season, was fantastic. Veach deserves a lot of love for the where and abouts that this team is at and the fact that this team is going to Miami. I get it, you want to love on Andy. You want to love on Pat. You want to love on Frank and Tyron Matthew. Well, those two guys aren't here if Brett Feach doesn't pull the string on a few of those additions.
2: I think that another big comparison between these two guys is both of these guys came in with a vision. You know, like Brett Feach saw Patrick Mahomes, and he's like, that's the guy. Now, how do I build a team around him to win a championship? And at a lot of times, it doesn't make sense to the casual fan or even to the hardcore fan of like, what is this guy doing? Like, why are you going out here and dumping all this money on a guy like Frank Clark who started off the season so slow and people wanted somebody else other than Tyron Matthew. Right. But he had a vision and he followed through with it. And that's why the Chiefs are finding themselves on the way to Miami right now.
0: And part of the reason why franchises seem to work is because you have to have a message that is contagious, but it's also a majority agreed upon. How many times have you watched a movie that Disney's made or Major League where, or even Little Big League, little kid movies where a subplot of the movie is everybody seems to understand the message, but this guy. Mm-hmm. And when this guy doesn't understand it, they go away and the team succeeds, right? You look at Major League. They have Jack Parkman in the second one. Mm-hmm. When he does his shake in Cleveland, all the chicks love it. Then he goes, I don't really like this loser team. I don't want to be here. They get rid of him. What happens? They play Jack Parkman later on, and they beat him. D Ford, not really respected by this team anymore. Some say cost this team a championship game. I'm not saying he did. I'm saying he's part of it. No longer with the team. What'd he do? He went and found a guy that he knew fit the dog mentality would lead by example no matter what was going to play and knew that his reputation was on the line as well as the other guys. That's something you have to have in a GM who understands the game, understands the end-all, be-all prize, and knows where he wants this team to be when it all comes down to signing those guys.
2: Well, and the biggest thing that you've seen this year, too, the biggest difference is just the attitude of the Chiefs, right? Right. The attitude adjustment on that defense and – Yes, coaching has a lot to play into that. Right. But picking the right guys is where you start. And Brett Feach got it right.
0: I told you at the beginning of the show that you got to stop pinching yourself. You got to stop telling yourself that this feels like a dream. You're a fan base, and this fan base deserves it, and it deserves this one. Almost two full hours down of the 2 to 6 a.m. drive here on 50 consecutive hours. I've worked some overnight shifts before, Dusty. Yeah.
2: They don't fly by like this one has.
0: Not when you have fun, my man. Fun, chemistry, and a good attitude is something you and I continuously bring to the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Nick Price, Dusty Likens, you can hear our voices every Saturday. In fact, we'll be on this Saturday from noon until 3 live and local on Out of Bounds. I think K-State plays at four. So that's where it ends this week. You heard a lot of people tonight here on 610 Sports Radio. You hear a lot of people tomorrow because it's just the regular start to the week. But it's part of the 50 consecutive hours of 50 years of celebrating the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. They're going to the Super Bowl. It's not a dream. We finally lost Lance. He said, 55, let him hang. Good night. No, good morning, Lance. Get some sleep, buddy. We appreciate you tagging along. He stuck
2: with us for a while. He
0: did. He's like Boo in the movie Monsters, Inc., where they're just, like, sitting on the bed, like, laughing, and then they're out. Sweet dreams, Lance. Dream of ketchup, Mahomes, touchdowns, Mitch Holtis' voice narrating your entire dream. You deserve it. The city of Kansas City deserves it. That's why we're going to give you the next eight minutes of telling you why this is a fan base that deserves this type of team. It may be 50 years since the Chiefs have been to the Super Bowl, and I might be off my rocker at the young age of 32 but it feels like it's been a lot longer than 50 years. And somebody may be like, you don't even know what 50 years is. You're not even 50. You're right. But I know what it's like being a fan of a team that you thought, will they ever do it? They always seem to have the success, but they never seem to get there. They always tease you. The fan base has history in Kansas City, and it had never been promising but it was awoken last year you kind of opened your eyes a little bit and you said you know what this is different this seems different yeah Trent Green was really good had a really good offense you didn't have anything on the other side of a defense for him and you couldn't stop Peyton Manning in the no punt game that one hurts When I was seven years old, I went to a game at Arrowhead Stadium that was so cold, I didn't know what cold weather was. I wore 17 layers of clothes. That's an exaggeration. It was about five. I remember shopping for long underwear and being embarrassed because I didn't know what long underwear was. And I remember a guy named Jim Harbaugh beating the Kansas City Chiefs, going on to play the Pittsburgh Steelers against a guy named Neil O'Donnell and losing, and the Steelers going on to the Super Bowl. Sup, Peter? I saw your video earlier of you uh, taking that gnarly blade and cutting off the uh, champagne bottle. Nice video, Peter. Welcome to the party. 352, I know And as Chiefs fans, you deserve this. And you deserve all of what's about to come. I can't promise you that you're going to win a Super Bowl this year. But I can promise you that you're going to be in a lot of games like this moving forward. And you deserve it. You think of the 1983 draft where you took Todd Blackledge. And you were cursed for many years after. You think of all those years you watched the great Marty Schottenheimer have your team ready, steady, locked in, ready for playoff action 13 and 3, 12 and 4, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, first round knockout. All the heartbreak of all those playoff years. And you think about where this team is now. You think of the heartbreaking playoff losses. The one that they mentioned today that Mike Vrabel remembers. The loss to the Baltimore Ravens. I was at that game. Big time loss. Jamal Charles scored, I believe, on like their first offensive possession. They busted that big run. Right. That was pretty much it. And then they never did anything else. And Baltimore would go on. You think of last year's loss. You kind of felt like maybe we shouldn't be here. It's been a hell of a run. We're playing the evil empire. Oh, my God, we might have a chance. We lose in overtime. It's over. Things always seem to go the opposite way when things started to look like they were going the right way for you. Andy Reid joins the Chiefs. Alex Smith has got a little bit of giddy-up in him. Peyton Manning joins the Broncos. Peyton Manning goes to two Super Bowls with the Broncos in four years. Emmanuel Sanders, a guy that you thought was going to come join your new wave, backs out. You'll get another crack at him. Derek Thomas, I need to say no more. The bad, bad years from 2008 to 2012. Sandwiched in those four years, one of the worst teams of the previous decade. Damon Heward. Tyler Thigpen, Brody Croyle, Matt Castle, those names, you sat and watched, even though you didn't want to, but Sundays mean football, and if your team sucked, it just made it that much tough on your fan base. But now it's different. Now you have a great quarterback, not just a great quarterback, the best one to do it, of all the other 32 teams in the NFL. And your fandom changed. I want to say it started to change last year because it was the Chiefs haven't had a home playoff game and I can't remember when. The Indianapolis Colts had just murdered whoever they played the week before. And you're like, oh, God, here we are, Arrowhead. It's the Colts versus the Chiefs again. I know how this plays out, and 15 took under center, and all was good. Now, heartbreak came a little bit the next week when you lose to New England in overtime in a game that you really honestly didn't think that you would be in. And then this year starts, and you think to yourself, holy cow, we're 4-0. and We played three of our first four games on the road at Jacksonville, decent team. At Oakland, going to fight you. At Detroit, you remember that game. Mahomes leads the charge in the fourth quarter. Chiefs win. And then they had beaten the Baltimore Ravens at home in between all that. And they were 4-0. And then the middle of the year goes. Injuries start to happen. And you think to yourself, maybe this isn't it. Maybe this isn't the year. Maybe this year's different. And now all of a sudden, you're in the Super Bowl and you saw the reaction of the fans at Arrowhead. The fact that they were playing. You got a fight after Travis Kelsey steals the mic from Jim Nance. And now all of that is gone. And it was all put to bed, the past the old feelings of being an old fan in that Houston game. And like I admitted at the start of this show, my hand was in the air. I thought we were going down that rabbit hole again. This seemed like a different year. They got better as the year went on because they got healthy. They haven't lost since week 10. And if they're going to win the Super Bowl, they won't lose the rest of this year. And that Houston game, That Mahomes' run tonight lets you know that it's different. Stop pinching yourself. Stop asking yourself to wake up because you've officially got a new team and a new narrative moving forward. That's all in the past. It's now the future. Patrick Mahomes, 11 touchdowns in his playoff career, zero interceptions. He started for two years. The fan base deserves this. There is no other fan base in the NFL, in my honest opinion, Outside of demographic, no homerness involved. There's not a fan base in the NFL that deserves this more than the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, it's 4 o'clock. We got two hours left of our coverage of 50 consecutive hours. Remember, Fesco in the morning. The mayor will join the show, Quentin Lucas, and then Therese Paylor's show at 6 o'clock on 610 Sports Radio later on in the evening on this beautiful, glorious, Victory, Red Monday.